I'm Jonathan Hirsch, and this is Arrivals. Stories of migration, transformation, and change through the eyes of extraordinary men and women. The program that explores what we do when what we've done is a thing of the past. You've all seen that trick where a clown pulls bright cloth out of his mouth. I sometimes think our role in telling stories is kind of the same. A stream of colorful storylines flowing evenly out of one person's mouth and into your ears. It's clean and it's clear. But sometimes there is another side to the story. Other softer colors that deserve our attention. For the next six weeks, we've asked producers, composers, and sound designers to take their favorite Arrivals episodes and to recreate them in their style and their voice, a kind of podcast remix. Our first guest is Brian Garcia. He produces an incredible fictional storytelling podcast called Aural Regions. It's part modern radio drama and part internal monologue. Brian took our first episode, The Blazing Echidna, in a new and exciting direction. And if you haven't heard it yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first one. So here it is, another side of the Blazing Echidna. I get to Lansing, and she shows up at the train, and I saw her face. And then she rolled down the window, it was raining, and I looked at her face and I said, either, either you're leaving me, you're leaving me, you've had, you've an, had affair, an affair, or someone's someone died. died. She said, just bike back to the apartment. I biked back to the apartment and she had had an affair with another pre-med guy and was with him. Well, I just shipped all my things there, not a few boxes of things. So that was it. So I was on the next train out. There wasn't a train for three days, so I sat in her apartment crying for three days. I was very loyal, so I was very heartbroken. I guess I was so broken. I, I guess I was no so broken. I left, left, left to left to lash out, lash out, lash out. Seeing you know, her day, day, day and knowing she, knowing she already, already moved, on, moved on in her heart, physically. and That was a heartbreak. I was had to be around her days. for three days. It just really, it just really. I wasn't angry. I was, I was just angry. in this, like, just really, soft this like, really soft place. And wrote a letter to the man she's with now and just hoped that they found happiness. And From some of the story, he resisted a little bit said hey let's wait till he comes back and but they had this chemistry and so I just thanked him so for like I just thanked him for like thinking of me and she was uh, a master's in New Orleans in public health and I was down there for a few months and I would bike to meet up with them and there's places in town where someone just got knocked off a bike with a baseball bat and I'd go through any neighborhood and and so she would get really she'd stressed. Get really stressed Saturday night in New Orleans drunk drivers everywhere there's no bike lanes in New Orleans, like a Portland, and I'm biking around trying to be car free. There was stresses every, every time, time we ever went out to eat. My commitment was never to walk by someone in need. And someone would come up and ask for food, and I'd say, hey, okay, come on, okay, out, come to on out to eat with us. And it was kind of, kind of my, the world and our relationship didn't have a boundary, which I, I, I totally understand. When she left me, my mom and all my friends were like, you should just be a monk. Gosh, I, I, I want, want a family. family. Like, really, if I make really, these choices, I have, choices I have to be alone? And so many people searching for a soulmate. 
use the other strategy. You know, okay, I've lost this woman I love, Kat. I loved her dearly, and I still love her. And she's she, she was, was so, so she stretched so far to meet me. It was too, too much. much. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I, I, I'm like, where do I go? It's the first time in my life. It's like, where do I go? I'm heartbroken. And so I called my friend Brian. just given away $100,000 inheritance and given away everything just because I wanted to try it. I was, I was in Italy. Italy. Uh, I, was I was somewhere. It wasn't Italy. It was somewhere in Indonesia. I can't remember when I got the call that we had inherited this money. And in the moment I heard it, it's like, wow. Because I was just going around the world doing service work, writing to the kids I was on this high. I'm like, I don't need it. Because I was driving without it. My initial gut was give it away. But I waited a little bit. I wasn't there yet, so it was put in a bank account. And then what I noticed when I got home, when I sat, I sat with it, all, all those stories, stories of money, money happiness, happy, money, 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 living the wildest world. dreams. And it was disturbing. And I noticed that it was like this voice. People I really respected equated your dreams with money. Oh, you've had the big break. Now you got 150000 so a, so big, a big urge for me was, I don't want to do that. I want to show you can live your dreams without, with, that, with nothing. And all the mystics say, you want to be happy, like give, give everything, everything away and trust. I had paid off my college loans and then the family had inherited this money and I decided to just liquidate everything. My family flipped out. I realized I had everything I needed. I'm okay, I'm okay like, if I really, really want to give it. it. Give it in a meaningful way. way. The three most important things to me were uh, ending, ending war, war poverty, poverty species, species extinction, extinction, and friends and family. So, so we came up with this idea of a chunk, a third to each. And from other money sources and everything, it ended up being a pools of almost 50000 in each bracket. Take a pond, if you store all the water in the pond and it can't flow downstream, Everything downstream, Everything downstream dies. dies. So I have all these resources that could actually be making more of the world I want in this moment instead of waiting, waiting for, for some time in the future. future. The tricky one was friends and family, so I created the Dream Fund. And when I gave it to friends or family, I said, you have to, to use this to, to follow, follow one of your most important, important dreams. That's, that's the only, only stipulation. One friend put the check up on his bureau and just thought about it every day. And the check bounced, you know, it was too late. But he, but said, he said, I don't want I don't the want money. money. He made me really think about, about what, what is most important. Yeah. Every day he looked at it. He couldn't, he didn't have the dream at that moment. So that was like giving it away and it felt, it became a, a positive addiction. It took, it took me So I was free from that. I gave it all away and it was fine. Sarah, I was madly in love with Sarah. She, she told, I was into solar at that time. Why do you need solar panels? Electricity free. free. I'd never I never even thought about it. I'm like, whoa, candlelight. candlelight. I was like, yeah. Who is this woman? I told her I was car free. She's like, great. Let's bike to the local play. One of our early dates, I wanted to take her to the coast because I love the ocean. We get off the Greyhound with our bikes. We're gonna bike down to this camping area, and 
course, intoxicated man in Coos Bay walks up and is like, do you have more money? And I, as my commitment is, is, hey, what's your name? Yeah, I don't want to just give you money, let's go eat, meet together. But in the moment he asked me, I, all the past pain of lost, lost part, part because, because of my radicalization, I was terrified. I was terrified. And so, so I just said, screw it. She'll, she'll, you know, my you know, story is like, she'll leave me, but this will be our date with the drunken homeless man. And we went to a little cafe, the closest place, and we ate together. And Sarah gave him a big hug, and I gave him a big hug, and then we got on our bikes after being together for an hour with him. It's not the idea that I'm going to change his life, but just that you're a human being. I'm, I'm going to sit, sit with, with you and you find, find out your story. story and just that would be the just beginning, be the of, beginning a of a shift. And we're walking back to the bikes. Sarah looks at me and she said, this, this is the best date I've ever been on. <laughs> I cry when I talk about it. It's like, in that moment, I'm like, I, I found my soul. I realized, like, wow, actually, when you follow your heart imperfectly, imperfectly. I've, I've done, done it very imperfectly, but with full, with full effort. effort, eventually, you're going to meet and come together with who you need to meet. And, and we've, we've been... been a catalyst, a catalyst for each other. So now we're in our small partnership. Really, really supportive. We have kids now. Gift economy. Give all our money away. We don't charge for anything. Where we teach classes and partners like, like yes, yes. not like, like whoa. whoa. But when I'm having a hard day, she can support me. Like, like, remember, remember, let's, let's take, take the extra effort, effort to walk and find a local garden. Or I'll grab her and like remember. This person we're walking by, even though we're going to the swan boats, is our family. Let's feed and sit with this person. Which this path, I you know, I tell people like they're like, oh, it seems so amazing. You seem so at ease, and you trust, and your bike gets stolen. You're like, oh, and then another bike shows up, and if someone asks for your bike, you'll give it to them. Like that's freedom. But there's also there is heartbreak. There is heartbreak. Gosh, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll save three birds and one human being. You know, with full effort. It's humbling to realize there's seven billion people. There's millions of species of just beetles. You're just, just a tiny, tiny piece, piece of this ripple. ripple. And I, think I think that's, that's the, the that's the heartbreak we have to go Arrivals is written, produced, and recorded on a quiet street in a loud town in the lovely East Williamsburg neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York by me, Jonathan Hirsch, along with Gabrielle Lewis and Ben Cruz. Special thanks to Brian Garcia for producing today's episode and to Ethan for sharing his story. And if you've ever wondered how we discovered a superhero philanthropist, stay tuned. En route, Our microcast about arrivals, life in transit, and so much more is returning next week with that very story. You can find those episodes, our journal, and a host of other cool arrivals-related material on our website, arrvls.com. And if you like what you've heard today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. You'll find a link at the top of our website, and it's one of the few ways that we have as podcasters to spread the word. And it really does help. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again, may you wind up where you need to be. (laughs) 